0: right now. We welcome you. We're so glad that you have decided to have church with us in your home or wherever you're at right now. So Lord bless you. If you have your Bibles with you today, I encourage you to turn with me to the scripture we've been standing on during our series that we're doing called Possessing Territory and Expanding the Kingdom. Of course, we're looking at uh, Psalm chapter two, verse eight. Today, we're going to continue in this series with a message entitled, persevering into promise, persevering into promise. The author and perfector of our Lord, of our faith, our Lord Jesus Christ has commissioned us his church to continue the ministry that he began. What was the ministry that Jesus began? It was to go forth and to establish the kingdom of God here on this earth, amen. And that's what he wants us to do. Are you there in Psalm 2.8? Yeah. Let's read it together. Ask of me... And I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Ask of me. Father God is speaking to his son Jesus through the psalmist. It's a prophetic word that comes forth. And and the Lord Father God is saying, Jesus, I want you to ask of me. I want you to just ask me for the nations. They'll be your inheritance then. I want you uh, for the ends of the earth to be your possession. How many know that when a word of the Lord comes to this earth, it keeps on going, it never stops. An anointing that comes on this earth, it keeps on growing, it keeps on going, it doesn't stop. God doesn't give us gifts unto men and then all of a sudden just take them back. When he gives something, he's eternal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Lord God, he doesn't change. And so when he deposits a word of life into this earth, it continues to grow. And this promise that he gave his son Jesus Is the promise that he's given you and me. So I want you to stand with me right now. Come on, just stand for a second. Because we've been talking about this for weeks and we have yet to do this. And as I prayed this yesterday during prayer, and it's all of a sudden it's like, knock, knock, pudding head. Let's do it then. All right? So I want you to repeat this prayer after me with everything that's within you. I want you to say, Father God, in the name of Jesus. You have told Jesus, and because we're one in Jesus, you are saying to us as well, to ask of you, and you will give us the nations for our inheritance, the ends of the earth for our possession. So right now in the name of Jesus, we call forth the nations. We claim them for the kingdom of God. Wherever they are, we call them into the kingdom. Right now, the souls of those men and women. We claim them as our inheritance. Everyone that comes into Rochester, Minnesota. Maybe they're coming for treatment at the clinic. We have the world coming to us. And we thank you, God, that everyone that comes into this greater Rochester area is exposed to you, Jesus. We claim them for the kingdom. They're part of our inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. It's harvest time, church. The Lord is expecting you and I to get rightly positioned in Him so we can go forth in His name and catch the most magnificent, massive catch of men and women for God that we can. Boys and girls, I'm telling you, it's the Lord's heart for souls. It always has been. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you and me, he sent his only begotten son. It was for this very reason that Jesus was manifested, that he might destroy all the works of the devil. How Jesus went about and healed many because he was anointed of God. You and I have been anointed of God. In his name, we've been given the authority in his name to go forth. And I know that's next week, and I can't wait to get on that. But I'm telling you, in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, we have authority to do something while we're here on this earth. And it's not just to sit here and take up space, but it's to expand his kingdom for his glory. Amen. To accomplish this, Jesus modeled a pattern for us to follow. He did this before he even started his earthly ministry, it occurred when he was baptized in the River Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. He fasted there for 40 days and 40 nights, and then at the end of that time of fasting, he had an, a power encounter with the enemy. Now remember, I told you, because of the fall of man, because of the fall of Adam, Adam gave gave, uh, uh, gave up authority in three areas. The spiritual area of this earth, the physical area of this earth, and the political area of this earth. He is the prince of the power of the air. And left unchecked, the devil will continue to rule and reign in those three areas. If the church of Jesus Christ does not stand up in the authority that's been vested in us in Jesus Christ, the devil will continue to rule a jurisdiction, an area, in the physical arena, in the spiritual arena, and the political arena. We as the church of Jesus Christ, we have nothing to complain about if we do not do something about it. But as it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, for if by the one man's offense, speaking of Adam, death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, Amen. much more those who receive abundance of grace of the gifts of righteousness, say that's me, that's me. will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So as one man, Adam, gave up the authority in those three areas, the other Adam, the second Adam, our glorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came to bring back those areas for us. We have authority now in the spiritual arena, the physical arena, and the political arena where we live. Amen. There are five keys that Jesus used in his battle strategy. They're found in Matthew chapters 3 and 4. They are, as review again, humility. Jesus had to humble himself and be water baptized and take on the form of man. He had to give up his God qualities and take on the form of man. Amen. The second thing Jesus did, of course, he fasted. We already talked about that. Then, because he he humbled himself, because he fasted, he was able to become one with the word. Because unless, listen to me, believers, if, if we do not as a way of life, stay in a place of humility. Right? John the Baptist says, (laughs) he must increase and we must decrease. It's not the other way around. You'd think, well, we must decrease first and then he can increase. Let me tell you something. Left to ourselves, we'll never decrease. Is there anybody in this place that loves to die? No, we don't. We want to live. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to discipline our flesh. We just want to do what we want to do. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. Amen. But the only way that we can take back territory in the land is we follow these same five patterns in the same order. First, we must humble ourselves. Secondly, we must live a fasted lifestyle. And then thirdly, we're able then to become one with the word of God, where we allow the word of God now, this logos word, which is the written word to become a rhema word, which goes inside of our heart and it changes us. And we become every bit of the fabric of this living word inside of us and everything we think, everything we do, the way we walk, the way we talk. I'm telling you, we become a walking word. We are an epistle read of all men, you know. Wherever we go, in the workplace, in our neighborhood, with our family, people are reading us all the time. They know whether we're authentic or whether we're just, you know, being a pretender. So we get, become one with the word. And because we've humbled ourselves, because we've fasted, lived a fasted lifestyle, and that's more than just giving up food. When I say fasted lifestyle, that means just become real disciplined. When the Lord tells you, I want you to give up desserts, you give up desserts. And Isaac quit baking those cookies. He is the best cookie maker there is. I can, this used to be one of my larger suits. Look it, I can barely button this now. Isaac, no more cookies, okay? Please help daddy out. No more cookies for a while. Because until we humble ourselves and fast and we empty ourselves of self, how many know you can't fill something that's already full? we have to empty ourselves of all of our of self every all of our hurts all of our wounds everything that's been done bad to us i'm telling you get rid of the garbage and that's listen i really encourage you to come to the deliverance thing on saturday it's time that we get free we really have to be free you don't have to carry that junk around anymore amen then you're able to receive the word and then once you have the word then you're able to persevere and that's what we're going to talk about today perseverance amen Last week, we discussed the great importance of allowing the Word of God to be engraved on the tablet of our hearts. And I mentioned that, according to the granddaddy of all parables, the parable of the sower, it's the very basis in which we receive all the hidden mysteries contained in every parable that Jesus has spoke. How many of you want to know the words of Jesus so well that you just know them backwards and forwards, and they're just a part of you? Well, he was sharing, turn with me to Mark chapter 4, He was sharing with his disciples about this. And they still were not getting it. Have you ever picked up this word before and you read it? You love God with everything that's within you. But you read something that's like, what did that just mean? I don't understand it. So you go back and you read it again and you read it again and you read it again. And eventually, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're open to the Holy Spirit then it becomes rhema. It starts to make sense, and it goes inside of you. Well, Jesus is sharing this parable, and his disciples said, you know, Jesus, could you just kind of help us out here? We need help. And he said this in in, uh, chapter 4, verse 13 of Mark. He said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Amen. This is key. And so let's just read uh, Mark. Let's start in verse 14. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts, and likewise are the ones sown on stony, stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Listen, everything that happens in our lives is because of the word. If there isn't tribulation and persecution happening in your life, then maybe it's because you have very little word inside of you. Come on, somebody. But the more you press in with God, the more the devil's going to come against you. But we don't care because the devil's already lost. Amen? So, but it's for the word's sake. And immediately they stumble. Or in other words, that word also means in the Greek, they become offended. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the seedfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, choke the word, and they become unfruitful. Let's just stop there for a second. I told you last week that there are five weapons. These are the only five weapons that the enemy uses to successfully steal, kill, and destroy our opportunity to receive this word in seed form where it becomes revelation. What are those five things? Well, we just read them. Number one it's tribulation. The devil will try to bring trials in your life to get you to get off of the word and get you focusing on your trial. Maybe, maybe it's something like you don't like your job. I've worked so many jobs and I hated most of them. And I would get into a grumbling and complaining. Listen, life is really tough when you don't like what you're doing. Come on, somebody. Young people, you're thinking of going to college, find something you want to do that you're good at, that you love, that you feel God's called you to. Don't do something that somebody else wants you to do because you're looking at dollar signs. How many of you know if you really love something that you're doing, you're going to excel in it because you're going to give your whole heart to it? And your gift, as it says in Proverbs chapter 18, it makes room for you and you'll appear before great men. Maybe the trial is your kids are acting up at home and you can't understand why they're acting so goofy. Maybe the trial is your dogs keep on peeing on the rug when you're trying to potty train them. Come on. (laughs) He'll try to bring every trial in the book to get your mind on that trial and not on the word. Now, if he's not successful with that, then he brings persecution. All of a sudden, oh, so-and-so didn't even look at me today in church. I bet you they're mad at me. I wonder what I did. I wonder what I said. And you start entertaining that thought and it starts to become bigger in life. And before you're going to bed, you're hollering at your wife and she's going, What's the matter with you? And you go, I don't know. But you got yourself so worked up and you're focused on what you thought, what you were being persecuted. Oh, you poor baby. Listen to me. If you're dead, you can't be persecuted because it doesn't affect a dead person. Have you ever seen a dead person in a coffin be affected when someone says, Boy, you sure do look funny in that coffin? Uh, you think they're going to get up and slap you across the face? No, they're dead. Now, if you're past that and you've gotten a little more mature and tribulation persecution isn't harming you, well, then all of a sudden the cares of the world start mounting up on you. Oh, my gosh. They just told me at work they're going to start laying people off. I wonder if I'm going to be one of them. I wonder if I'm going to be able to make my bills. Oh, did you see how Minnesota Energy increased the thermal rate? So now my bill is twice the amount it was before. How am I going to pay my bills? Come on, somebody. You start thinking of stupid stuff about this world. And this world, let me, let me bring you in on a secret. We're only here in this life for a very short period. Amen. We make this life like, like this life is everything. This life is nothing compared to eternity. So why do we get worked up about stuff? Come on. So if tribulation, persecution, <laughs> and the cares of the world can't get you, Well, then all of a sudden, deceitfulness of riches. All of a sudden, you see your neighbor come driving home with a nice big boat. You've always wanted a boat. Why can't you have a boat? Oh, my. And you start thinking, oh, I just wish I could have that boat. I sure would be happy if I had that boat. Or maybe you start thinking, I sure would be happy if I had a bigger house. And all of a sudden, your focus goes on all those other things, deceitfulness of riches. Come on. instead of the word of God or you start having desire for other things. Can I tell you something? If you're not going red hot after the Lord, there are gonna be other things that are gonna fill that void. Because we're built with a God magnet inside of us. We're built with this void inside of us that pursues God. And if we're not pursuing God, we're gonna be pursuing something else. Maybe it's a cause. Maybe it's you know, something else. Not that there's anything wrong with following after a cause. But there's something definitely wrong when that cause replaces your pursuit of God. The parable of the sower. It's key to understanding this whole Bible. If you can't receive the word of God and let the word of God change you, come on. Then what what can you? We talk about this. The sower is the Lord. The seed is the word. And he talks about the four types of soil or the four types of heart. The first heart is the wayside heart. That's the hard heart. This is all review from last week. He talks about the stony ground, which is the offended heart. He talks about the thorny ground, which represents all the the distracted heart, when we get distracted by everything of this this world. Amen. These first three types of ground or heart. The enemy has been able to penetrate, you see, and take the revelation of the word of God from being fully received into our heart. The devil is so concerned that we're going to become one with this word. Because when we become one with this word, we become dangerous to him because we start taking that territory we start going on the offensive and we start seeing the word of god manifest before us it's just going to take one big miracle at the healing center it's just going to take one miracle and it's going to go like wildfire the devil's so concerned about that but we don't care about the devil because that person that needs that healing they need that healing they've gone to every doctor they could and they haven't gotten any better but only worse But they're going to come here and they're going to to encounter Jesus. And Jesus is going to touch them and they're going to be healed. It just takes one. But glory to God, there is a heart. (laughs) There is a heart. A heart that was once a heart of stone, now it becomes a heart of flesh. That's able to receive the seed of the word of God. In Mark chapter 4.11, he said to them, To you it's been given to know the mysteries, the hidden truths of the kingdom of God. Unto us. Say, unto me. Unto me. Has been given. <laughs> to know the mysteries contained in this holy book. Each one of us has been given the understanding, the ability to understand and receive this. Amen. Amen. Because there is a heart that's pure. 1 Peter 1. Verse 22 says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with what? A pure heart. There is a heart that's full of light. Second Peter chapter one, verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word, the prophetic word, which is this word of God, the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star, speaking of Jesus, rises in your heart. The more of this word we get inside of us, the more that this word starts to transform us, the more we start talking like Jesus, the more we start looking like Jesus, the more we can, we can function like Jesus. Amen. Because the morning star starts rising up inside of us, and it brings light to those that are caught in the cesspool of darkness. There is a heart, number three, that will not compromise its position in Christ. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, it says, we know that whoever is born of God, are you born of God? Yeah. Well, if you're born of God, you don't sin, because that's what that scripture says. If we're born of God, we sin not. But he who is born of God keeps himself, regards himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. When we're born of the Spirit of God, and we become one with the word of God, it's going to be very difficult for us to sin. Is it possible that we still might sin? Yes. But it becomes more and more difficult to sin the closer you get in God. There is one of these four types of heart or ground that can receive the revelation of the mystery contained in the word of God, and it produces a harvest. It is the heart of one who has been born of God and is filled with the spirit of the living God. It's one that has a current, vibrant relationship with God all the time, knowing that we don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You wake up in the morning and you go, God, I need a fresh word. God, I need to know that you're with me. I need to know that you're with me. I need to know what to do today. Tell me what you want me to do today. Show me what I should do. Direct my steps, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And see, when you open your eyes and you have that mindset, you're always connected with God, then God shows up and he shows himself faithful and true on your behalf. Again, church, it's all about going on the offense, going and and starting to create a path before you. For the word of God is a lamp onto our feet. It's a light onto our path. And as we stay in the word, we can start trailblazing a way of righteousness because we've been put into a highway of holiness and that holiness now starts to rule and reign inside of us. Then when we have somebody coming to us, that say, you know, they say I need a heart because my heart is gone out, and I have a rare blood type, and to find a heart like this, it's almost impossible that it's going to come on the transplant list. But there is a God, you see. There is God, a creative God, that can put a brand new heart inside of you. We can lay our hands on that person. We can stand in agreement with them. We can bring their faith up to the place where they receive that brand new heart and they go back, back to the clinic and the clinic says, I don't know, you might as well go home. You don't need a heart anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It's all possible. It's all possible. Because that heart, it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Say that's me. These are the three things that we do. You hear the word number one, you accept the word number two, and you bear fruit number three. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. Why does it say 30-fold, then 60-fold, then 100? Why does it say 100-fold right away? Because sometimes there's a growing in our faith and the revelation of the word. I love how Luke says that verse. In Luke 8, verse 15, he says, but the ones that fell on the, on the good ground are those who, number one, having heard the word with a noble and honest and good heart, keep the word, number two. And number three, they bear fruit with patience. Say patience. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that we can have that heart. And we can have that heart come. That word noble means honest when we're honest with ourselves. Can I tell you something? It's time to be set free. I, I just keep hearing that in my spirit. Not that I want you to come to my class on Saturday. oh well, I want you to come to my class, but I'm not just saying that so we get numbers. I want you to come so you can be set free. Amen. Because if we continue to walk in deception, we're never going to receive the true revelation of the Word of God in our hearts. We're going to receive the Word Sunday after Sunday as you're home reading your Bible. You're going to read stuff, but you know what? unconsciously you're just going to pass over stuff that you don't believe pertains to you. The Lord wants us to walk in the full revelation of him. And the word comes to those people that have an honest and good heart. It results in us bearing fruit, hallelujah. But please notice it comes with patience. In other words, even though we have the power of the promises contained in this living word, even though he's Jehovah Shammah, the Lord God that's ever-present, oftentimes the manifestation or harvest of the seed of God's word doesn't always come immediately. Oftentimes, it takes time and patience. In other words, it takes faith to receive the things of God. There's a germination period. Like any seed, you put a seed in the ground, do you see it rise up immediately? Generally not. It takes time to germinate. But I'm telling you something. We're coming in a season. The closer we're getting to the Lord's return, where we're, gonna, we're we're going to put the seed in the ground, and we're going to receive the harvest before we plant another seed. It's going to be coming that way. You know that. It says that in Joel, Amen. or in Amos. I'm sorry. It's in Amos. Praise God. Okay. So today, we're going to talk about persevering into the promise. And in Hebrews chapter ten, verse thirty-five and thirty-six. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Isn't that a good scripture? He says, don't cast away your confidence, your confidence in the word of God. Don't cast away the word of God that's been sown in your heart already, beloved. Hang on to that word, amen, because it has a great reward as you continue to hang on to it, amen. You have need of endurance. That word endurance means stamina. We need to stay strong in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because after we've done the will of God, we are going to receive that promise. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard of a woman called Florence Chadwick? Some older folk could hear you may. No. I'll tell you who she is. I'm going to give you a story about this to illustrate what I'm talking about. Florence Chadwick was the daughter of a San Diego police officer. She grew up on the beach, and she fell in love with the water. Well, if you live by the beach, it's probably good that you love water. Amen. Very early in her life, it became evident that Chadwick excelled at endurance swimming. Although she started competitive swimming at age six, her first victory was a two-and-a-half-mile rough water swim at the age of 10, when she placed fourth. A year later, she won first place in a six-mile rough water race. Endurance swimming is a unique kind of, of competition requiring special abilities and mental and physical perseverance far above what is required of shorter distance swimmers. It requires athletes to keep good form, technique, and concentration for many hours. Most marathon swimmers swim between 60 to 70 strokes a minute. Can you imagine that? 60 to 70? Oh my lord. It's getting me tired just reading this. Therefore, a 10-hour swim would require 42,000 strokes, and a 14-hour swim would require 58,000. It's an incredible feat, to say the least. Amen. There are also hazards unique to open-water swimming, long-distance swimming. First of all, the swimmer must navigate through uh, pitch-black night, often dealing with thick fog, enduring swarms of jellyfish, and constantly being vigilant of the possibility of a shark coming by you. Chadwick first made history in her crossing of the English Channel. The channel's uh, swim was the greatest challenge available to swimmers in her day. The fact that less than 7% of those who attempt to swim across the English, English Channel com- uh, complete the 23-mile trip is a testament to its difficulty. On August 8, 1950, after training for two years, Chadwick set a world record for the crossing, swimming uh, from France to England, in 13 hours and 20 minutes. On September 11th, 1951, Chadwick made a historic return trip and swam back. Despite dense fog and strong headwinds, she prevailed through a 16 hour and 22 minute ordeal and became the first woman to, woman to swim the channel both ways from France to England as well as from England to France. Almost a year later, she attempted to set another record by becoming the first woman to swim 21 miles across the Catalina Channel on the California coast. She made her first attempt on July 4th, 1952. The weather was dreadful that day. The ocean was ice cold. The fog was so thick that she could hardly see the support boats that followed her and sharks prowled the water around her. Several times, her support crew used rifles to drive away the sharks. While Americans watched on television, she swam for hours pressing on and on through the fog Her mother and her trainer, who were in one of the support boats, encouraged her to keep going. However, after 15 hours and 55 minutes, still unable to see significant distance through the fog, she succumbed to the circumstances and ended the attempt, asking her support crew to pull her from the water. What she didn't realize, however, was when she finally uh, tossed in the towel that she was less than a mile from the other shore. She was incredibly close to completing the task, but because she couldn't see through the dense fog, she had no idea how close she was. After the failed attempt, she told the reporter that if only she could have seen the other shore, she would have completed the swim. But while pressing through the fog, unable to see the goal, she became overwhelmed by the sense that she wasn't making any progress at all. The final goal was out of sight, but the thick fog, the the rough seas, and the prowling sharks were very evident. In an uncharacteristic moment of weakness, she allowed uh, uh, that which was seen to overwhelm that was yet unseen. Losing sight of the goal, she surrendered to her circumstances. With over 20 rough miles behind her, she gave up with only a half a mile left to go. When we look at our text in Hebrews chapter 10 today, when Paul wrote this letter to the Hebrews, he did so to confront those that were abandoning Christianity to go back to Judaism. This volume of book, the book of Hebrews, was written to the Jews to tell them, listen, you have to stay the course. The Hebrews believed, uh, believers had in many ways the same problem that Florence Chadwick had. They started out well, but over time their faith began to wane. They wavered, and they were tempted to give up before they completed the course. Their problem was that they found it easier, listen to this, to embrace the ordinances of a faith that they could see and touch. Oh, the tabernacle was still there, and all of its glory and its splendor was still in Jerusalem. It was still standing. The ordinances of the old covenant were still in place. And they represented a very real and tangible approach to God. Well, this is always the way we used to come to God. This is what we always used to do. The things that they could see were much more real to them than the things that they could not see. However, this new covenant containing a better promise and a better tabernacle, a better high priest, and a better reward, well, all of this still remains unseen, doesn't it? None of it is physical. It doesn't seem tangible at times. It's a promise that is not of this world. It's a reward that's eternal and a faith that operates in this realm of the unseen. This is the heart of their struggle. And frankly, church, I believe this is the heart of the struggle some of us in the church have today. We haven't had an encounter with God. We haven't seen God move. We've prayed for things, and we don't see anything happening. Our struggles may be different. Our temptations to turn back are not the same. We don't have a tabernacle that we can go back to. But we have an old religion we can fall back into. Remember the five weapons again that the enemy uses to successfully steal, kill, and destroy the revelation of God's word to take us into a better place with better promises. Come on, you guys. To live from a place of heaven, not places, not a place down here on this earth that offers absolutely nothing. Remember, there's tribulation all around us. There's persecution that he uses. There's cares of this world. There's deceitfulness of riches. There's a desire of lust of other things. To overwhelm our faith and cause us to stop short of the promises of God. And like the first century church, we too are at a very crucial crossroads in the history of the church at this very hour. What God has destined for the church, what he has purposed for, yes, you and I here at River of Glory, it's far grander. It's far greater. It's far more glorious than any of us could think or imagine. No. We must not cast away our confidence when we've come so far. We must not throw in the towel and say, just because I can't see the shore, just because I can't see that healing, just because I can't see that deliverance, just because I can't see that breakthrough that I believe in God for, don't cast in the towel. Don't say, I'm done. Somebody come and get me because I can't do this anymore. But it's a temptation right now because we're so close. While enduring to the end will be to fall back into the familiar thus forsaking the new. To fall back into what's comfortable, thus forsaking the challenge. To fall back into conformity, thus forsaking transformation. To fall back into dead religion, thus forsaking a vibrant relationship with the one who loves you more than anybody else. To fall back into a mold, thus forsaking your miracle. To fall back into gloom and grumbling, forsaking the glory and the abundant shout of praise. And to heaven forbid, forsake fall back into sin again, and forsake your salvation for all eternity. In ourselves, apart from God, we're only able to endure for a season. But in Christ, glory to God, not only are we able to endure, but more importantly, we're able to follow into the steps of our Savior who showed us this pattern when he was tempted by the devil. He went 40 days and 40 nights without any food. Come on. That's when the devil came and started to tempt him to give up everything. But he persevered. He didn't give in. He didn't throw in the towel. Even though he probably couldn't see past what was going to happen, he stayed the course, and we too must stay the course. In conclusion, I'm almost done. I know you can probably not handle much more, neither can I. I'm about ready to explode here. But there's a difference between endurance and perseverance. They're not one and the same. Endurance, why do I want you to write this down? you got to write this down. You can find it on Google, too, because I did it, and I said, is there a difference between endurance and perseverance? And they gave me this, so this isn't mine. But endurance is the measure of a person's stamina. Endurance is the measure of a person's stamina. Endurance is the measure of a person's stamina or persistence. Endurance is the measure of a person's stamina or persistence. While perseverance is continuing in the course of action. <laughs> Perseverance is continuing in the course of action. Listen to this. Without regard to, number one, discouragement. Number two, opposition. And number three, or, or previous failure. Perseverance is continuing in a course of action without regard to discouragement. Opposition or previous failure? See, endurance, it's good to have endurance. It's good that we have tribulation and persecution, the lust of other things, right? The cares of this world. Because through all of that, as we stay true to the word of God, it builds up an endurance, a stamina, a strength, and that's our measuring stick of who we are in Christ, that we don't succumb to that stuff. Amen. But endurance, even though it may increase our strength, it doesn't always move us forward. You can go to the gym and you can work out and get all buff in certain areas, but if you don't use it to help you, it, it, you're just doing it just to endure, just to get strength. But you're not moving forward in it. Oh, I'm just suffering for Jesus. This is just my lot in life. I'm always going to have this sickness. I'm always going to have this problem. Oh, we're never going to be able to have better or more. This is just the way it is for me. So I'm just going to endure here. Come on. You're being on the defense, and all of a sudden your problem becomes bigger and your God becomes smaller. You're just enduring, just enduring. I'll, I'm just doing this for Jesus. I'm just doing this for Jesus. No! Jesus wants you to do something with that. It may increase your, endurance may increase your stamina, but it doesn't necessarily change your circumstances. But as if I told you so many times, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. And if we get to the point where we see that we have a bigger God and a smaller problem, we start feeding on the goodness of God and the word of God and what the word of God has said. And we forget about all that junk that's behind us. And we start moving forward with the strength that he's given us. And like Jesus Christ, we can persevere and start regaining the territory start taking back the spiritual, the physical, and the political arena over our jurisdiction, which we need to do, because this Rochester's going to hell in a handbasket, and we need to do something about it. Because Jesus is the Son of Man, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, He was not only able to endure, but he persevered through the temptation presented by the enemy, and aren't you glad that he did? He continued his course of action to be the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, and without any regard to the discouragement, opposition, or previous failure of sinful man because he identified fully with you and me. He carried all of our junk. When he had that first encounter with the devil, he had all of our junk on him. But he persevered. And he said, it is written, it is written, it is said. And the devil had to leave him. The devil, devil never had seen anybody like that before. The first Adam, that was easy. But the second Adam, oh, he's a force to reckon with. And you and I are forces to reckon with too. Amen. We don't have to sit back and just let things happen. Well, this, we're just going to be small forever. This is just what we're, this is what we have. This is just our little humble church that we're just going to have this. We're not going to make waves. We're just going to just be good citizens and just do whatever the government tells us to do. The government is run by the devil, you understand. But it doesn't have to be. If we take authority over that, we can start praying in godly men and women to start changing the way things are. Jesus was a man that humbled himself even to the point of death. Jesus was a man that fasted, lived a fasted lifestyle, knowing that his mission was for you and me. It wasn't for him. Jesus, he was one with the word. Even though he was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, he still needed to stand on the word as the man of God. And because he did all that, he was able to persevere. And then next week, I'm going to tell you about he was able to have the command of authority to tell the devil to get out of the way, and the devil left him. Yes. You need to come back next week to hear that, because I'm telling you, it's going to be in time in here tomorrow, yeah. or next week. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Please stand to your feet. I just want to bless you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this tremendous hour that you have us here on this earth. What a privilege and an honor it is to be selected by you to be here right now. Lord, we love you with everything that's within us, Lord. I thank you for each one of these precious sheep. They're hungry for you, God. They long for you. They desire to be used of you. Lord, you're not a respecter of persons, in this next move, it's going to be every one of us you're going to use in a supernatural way. I just know. I just know, Lord. And so I thank you that you're raising up such an army, an army just like you, my God, to follow you, the commander, the host in everything. Father, there's going to be so many encounters that are going to take place through this church, through each person here, that we won't be able to get every testimony in. <laughs> for every service, because there's going to be so many. And it's your doing, Lord. It's marvelous in our sight. I ask that you bless each person here in a powerful way. I cover them in the blood of Jesus. I thank you that no weapon formed against anyone here prospers. I thank you, God, that this word has gone on good soil, and it's producing not even a 30- or 60-fold, but a 100-fold return. We praise you, and we thank you for this.